Good morning from Stanford Christian Church. My name is Pastor Jeremy, and today God speaks to us through Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. God reveals gentleness to us and in us. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes, Remind them to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show every courtesy to everyone. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to the various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, despicable, hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, this Spirit He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What starts as instructions concerning interactions with civil authorities quickly expands to apply to everyone. Throughout Christian history, many believers felt a tension between obedience to human government and loyalty to Jesus. Some felt that any recognition or service rendered to a human government was idolatry. Paul speaks to that inclination, urging Titus to remind his people to submit to human authorities. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world and is not in tension or competition with these rulers. So you may worship and follow Lord Jesus belonging to his kingdom and be a respectful Roman or American citizen. This concept is more developed in Romans chapter 13. Listen to what Paul writes there. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you wish to have no fear? Of the authority, then do what is good, and you will receive its approval, for it is God's agent for your good. But if you do what is wrong, you should be afraid, for the authority does not bear the sword in vain. It is the agent of God to execute wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must subject not only because of the wrath, but also because of conscience. For the same reason, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's agents, busy with this very thing. Pay to all what is due them, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. You will also remember Jesus saying, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. We submit to the government because it is instituted by God and given by him to accomplish his purposes. We live in a world so corrupted and soaked by sin that there is very real evil, and God instituted the government to protect people from the evil and to promote goodness where possible. This is what a government should do. I'm not saying they're always perfect in doing it, but we should subject ourselves to it. This holds true until human authorities force you to act contrary to the Word of God. We see this when the apostles are told to stop sharing Jesus and they say we must serve God rather than man. 
or in the story of Daniel, where he disobeys a law barring him from praying to the one true God and is then thrown into the lion's den. So our passage today begins, be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show every courtesy to everyone. Paul's concern here is that the believers are good to those around. Promote peace and an environment where people can best know and follow Jesus. The church should be a force for good and peace and joy through Jesus, not of hurt and attacks and quarrels. Submission to the government promotes a peaceful environment. So be ready for every good work, it says. Be prepared to do good and to make the world a better place for people. Do not speak equal of anyone. Avoid quarreling. For some, quarreling is our favorite hobby. It's not a party until we got fired up about something. Avoiding anything that distracts or leads people from Jesus, arguing, fussing, complaining, and attacking will always distract. It says, be gentle and show every courtesy to everyone. We're not just talking about civil authorities and leaders, but this has now evolved to everyone. He says to be gentle. This phrase is the core of the whole statement. Gentleness is our fruit of the Spirit for the week. It's a characteristic that the Holy Spirit is growing in the lives of those who give themselves to Jesus. Gentleness is consistently uplifted by God. Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew eleven twenty nine, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Ephesians four two, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. I really want you to listen to First Thessalonians two seven. Listen, because it gives a great image of gentleness. But we pr- have we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Men, listen to me. It's okay to be gentle. We should be. We can be tough and hard and gentle. Gentleness is power under control. It is power used for the good of others and not to tear them down. Sometimes tenderly caring for children means loving discipline or it means protecting them. To be gentle means to care for the needs of others with empathy concern for their well-being, to notice their needs and humbly, calmly seek to comfort them. He uses the phrase of a nursing mother, so that means the child is a vulnerable infant. A nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. The implication is that they are her own children. She loves them more than she does herself and will sacrifice herself for them. This is gentleness. Gentleness is sitting with the elderly and giving them your time just to listen. It's kneeling to play with the child who needs a friend. It's not lashing out and destroying them just because you can, even when they deserve it. Gentleness is seeing their shortcomings and their flaws and troubles and their addictions and their bad choices and being willing to sit down with them in their mess and listen to them and get to know them and bear with them and try to help them. Gentleness does not respond to attack with attack of its own. Gentleness is willing to take their shots and keep smiling at them and keep loving them. Be gentle. The fruit of the Spirit is a vital teaching because it helps us understand that our good works and godly character grow in us by the hand of the Holy Spirit of God. 
We do not want to fall into moralism where we teach good deeds and just say, go, do it. This sets up for pride and for failure and for separation from Jesus. It pumps us up into thinking that we can be good all on our own. We have it in us. Then we fail and are guilty and have the consequences of our failure because we can't be patient and good and loving and kind and gentle without the the sanctifying work of the Spirit of God. Moralism separates us from Jesus because we think we can do it all on our own and we don't need a Savior, a Redeemer, a Healer. That's why we're looking at the passage we are today. It directs us to submit to the governing authorities, to not talk bad about people, to not quarrel, to be gentle, and then he gives them reason. But it's more than just a reason why they should be gentle. It's a reason that they are able to be gentle. Verse 3 for we want ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, despicable, hating one another. That, that is eight different phrases that communicate that before Jesus, apart from him, we are depraved. We are totally corrupted by our sins and selfishness. But when the goodness, this for four, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. We were guilty, but he pardoned us. Condemned, but he forgave us. Unholy, but he sanctified us. Alienated, but he adopted us. Lost, but he found us. He came to us because he loves us and desires our good. Paul continues writing. He says, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This Spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We sinned against God. He is the aggrieved party. We do not decide how to make it right. We can't fix anything on our own. He is the one who acts, and we must simply accept, surrender, and return to God. Jesus is a gift. Our pardon is a gift. Our righteousness is a gift. Eternal life is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift, and his work to better us is also a gift. We are saved by grace because he does all this for us. He planned it. He accomplished it. He reveals it to us gives us life. Without him, none of these things happen. We we accept what God has provided. We accept his sacrifice, his righteousness, his gifts, his spirit who cleanses us, teaches us, empowers us, and does great things in us and through us. He grows gentleness in us. We can reject, hinder this work in our lives, or we can receive it and promote it. Devote yourselves to spending time with God and his word and prayer. Take the time to listen to other people and to put yourself in their position. Think about how your actions affect the lives of others. Understand that you do not live in a vacuum. Your words and your actions affect everyone around you. Satan wants us to continue with the status quo, acting on our emotions every moment, acting Only with ourselves in mind, the Spirit leads us in another direction. He guides us to act with first God and then also other people in mind. Often, when we are encouraged to be gentle, the context 
as in correcting another person, in teaching or in helping them to repent or know and follow Jesus. In your efforts to help, don't hurt. In your efforts to better the church, better your workplace, your country, community, family, don't hurt. Early in my marriage, I did a very bad thing. I thought I would help and do the dishes, and so I started washing everything and scrubbing, and then I came to a cast iron skillet. I scrubbed it with soap and water and, with much effort, got it looking all nice and clean. However, this was bad. My efforts to help had damaged the skillet. You're not supposed to wash by scrubbing and dish soap. It was seasoned, meaning it had oils and such baked into it that made it cook as it's supposed to and not stick. Harsh efforts to better people and groups with criticism, rage, sarcasm, arguments, complaints, and nagging will do more damage than good. They often close people off, induce hate, and damage our witness of the love of God. One day, Jesus was teaching a group of people. And as he spoke, the religious leaders drug a woman in between them. They said, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now that is what the law of Moses says. And they hoped to catch him in a quandary to discredit him before the crowd. Jesus answered, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. They each dropped their stone, and one by one they walked away. Jesus then said to the woman, Go and sin no more. This is gentleness in the flesh. How do you respond to the sins and failings of others? Humble yourself and realize that before God, our righteousness is but filthy rags. Be grateful for the mercy and grace of God in your life. Strive to follow Jesus, to be gentle as you help others know and follow him. Thank you so much for listening to Stanford Christian Church today. If you would, go to our website, www.stanfordchristianchurch.com. There you can click on the Contact Us tab. Just let us know you're listening. Connect with us. Come visit us sometime, Sunday mornings at 10.50 a.m. We begin our worship gathering, and then also at 9.45, right before that, we have our Sunday school time. We would love to see you on any of those days. We've got a seat for you, and would love to greet you and have you be a part of our church. Once again, don't forget that website, www.stanfordchristianchurch.com. Have a great week. Love God, love others, and tell somebody about Jesus.